The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, guys? This is Cameron Fry with His Girl Friday. Coming at you Saturday afternoon, 12.20 p.m. Central Time. Hope you're doing well. Again, staying healthy, staying positive. I know that a lot of times we fo- we put the emphasis on health, but state of mind is just as important, if not more, uh, for a lot of people who are just, uh, going through a lot of difficult times right now. And so we're, whoever you are, wherever you are, just know that Liz and I, we're rooting for you and we have your back, even though we are recording this to provide helpful content, particularly in the context of church marketplace leadership. We know that you as an audience go way beyond whatever we talk about on these podcasts. So just know that if you ever need prayer, if you ever want to talk to someone, you want to talk to us, um, we have a prayer and praise report page on our website, hisgirlfriday.com. That's Friday with a Y. But enough with the plug and the promotional stuff. That's not my cup of tea. I'd rather just dive in and get our hands dirty in this. Uh, we got a new series, or rather a new part of a former series. I'm returning to one uh, series started early this year called Faith at Work. And it feels fresh. That's why I was thinking for a second that this is a new series. It's not a new series, but um, it's still a part one of sorts because we're going to talk about Trinity as structure, what it looks like to apply a Trinitarian grid, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, into our various roles and functions at work. And we're going to focus more on marketplace leadership, but still, a lot of these apply to church leadership. You can't just divide a line between the two. You can't just put that curtain in place. And, you know, there there's some that bleed over and, and involve both. Think like a Venn diagram. There's a lot of crossover into this. So I really don't want to mutually exclude one or the other, but just being one who is primarily in a position of marketplace influence, that's kind of where my content gravitates towards. So, uh, But I also was a youth pastor for almost a decade, so <laughs> uh, I want to represent that piece well. So I'm going to pray real quick. Uh, Lord, just thank you for this amazing day. We rejoice and are glad in it. We want to start things off today in the spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving. We know you're up to good. We know you're doing something fresh, that you are alive and well, despite the stresses of life, the decay around us. So we bless you. We exalt you. We honor you in this time. Uh, Speak through me and speak to our hearts this afternoon as we press in to you with all that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so spoiler alert, this is not going to shock anyone when I say this, but thinking about church and marketplace leadership again, specifically how the kingdom applies to matters of governance, management, and authority. They all relate, those three items, but they are worthy of individual conversation. I know this isn't a new trail of thought for me. If you're a regular on here, you know these ideas define a deep-rooted passion within. Still, I can't help but return to this well, especially in a time when there's so much disruption and disorientation out there. 
just a quick scroll through your news feed on Facebook or your social media source of preference, uh, you could see just how much negativity there is out there. So in days like these, knowing the grassroots of our identity and calling, it's critical. As mentioned in many past posts, we are designed as kingdom agents. We don't just hope to be a kingdom agent. We are meant, we were crafted as kingdom agents with appointed influence and spiritual gifts. In case that statement doesn't make sense, I'm just trying to say we are created, we are wonderfully and beautifully made by a master creator who knows what he's doing. Our passions are not by mistake. Our gifting is what we're good at, not by mistake. From the beginning of time, we had a name and a purpose, a destiny to abide through, a God to abide in. The question for today is, and there's really two, how do we model the everlasting within the expirations of this life? How do we reflect and capture the Trinity in our way of conducting everything from behavior to business? Many answers, but for today we'll just focus on a few new angles and and maybe later on we'll come back. Maybe a part two post would be how these issues might be changing in the years ahead. All right, so as always, let's dive in. So the first point I want to make today, to understand the kingdom is to see the Trinity wherever there is a pointed structure. A pointed structure just meaning that God has a purpose in it that if there is a structure that's appointed, it means God has meant it to be so. Again, not by mistake, that there is a purpose behind it. This not only includes what God has established for our good, but also original intent when structures stray from this good. So what makes an appointed structure, it's not just appointed because it's doing well, that it's morally sound, <laughs> that it's staying morally upright, but it ties into that original intent because since man, we're, we're all sinners, we're all flawed, our structures, our businesses, uh, our operations, there are going to be some flies in the ointment time to time. There are going to be times where we stray from righteousness, we stray from what is good, what is noble, what is pure. doesn't mean we can't align ourselves and come back to that point, but God's original intent is always a part of the equation. When people backslide, they still have an original design. That doesn't go away. It just It's always there for them to come back to and to be reminded of. That's the goodness and faithfulness of God that He never stops working on our behalf. He never stops pursuing us to capture us and to reveal Himself to us classic example of this is the principle we're all created diverse in function, co-equal in value. I know this is not the first time I've mentioned that, but it's such an important phrase for us to hear. It should be a part of any business structure. Whatever model, whatever principle we, we gravitate towards or incorporate into our vision, our mission, we're, we have to remember this. We're all created diverse in function, co-equal in value. Many accept this truth in theory. If you were to ask them straight up, if you, if you, do you believe in this? I think many would nod their heads, but few default to and apply it due to many things, two of which that stand out, cultural programming or cultural desensitization and our quest for meaning. We all 
are looking for affirmation, acknowledgement of what we do, what we're good at. We want to have that regular encouragement, I guess, <laughs> just knowing that we're on the right path, that we're right on target. I know I do. A lot of times I wish I didn't, I wish I didn't want it or need it as much. It's still important. To be fair, this shouldn't surprise us. After all, in today's world, we're told if we want to make a difference, we have to make something of our lives. If we want to change the world, we need to attract attention to what we have to offer. Me, me, me. It's all about, look what I can do. It's, it's trying to find the spotlight and then entering in the spotlight. And then what you do, once the spotlight is on you, man, that's going to define your life, says the world. Unfortunately, this not only inflates a sense of survivalism, but hinders how we trust in communal contexts. I've mentioned here, I'm not afraid to say it, I struggle with cynicism, and I believe that society as a whole, there's a rise in cynicism as self-preservation. It's almost like uh, the real contagion. It's <laughs> the real virus going on. You could say fear and anxiety, uh, but really it's just we are so walled up these days. We are manufacturers of our own safety. And that's one of the words I want to emphasize today, safety, because before there was anything, before anything could be created, there was a trinity, there was a relationship, a harmony embedded within this culture of safety. It's always existed. And I'm really curious about what's always existed. We, we all should. If something's eternal, there's a reason why it's been eternal. It's, it's, there's a reason why it's lasted. You know, in this life, we're so fixated on making moments count, making our lives count, because we know that there's a beginning and an end, but whatever doesn't have that, like that's where I want to set my mind on when in doubt. Whatever the case, I don't mean to ramble here, so many struggle to define servant-based leadership. I want to, you know, bring this, I want to lasso everything I just said and kind of start to um, bring it in towards this place of servant-based leading leadership. I believe whether it's leadership or servanthood or, again, servant-based leadership, we have a hard time quantifying, qualifying, whatever. We have a hard time wrapping our minds around that term since serving, leading, and relationships are often regarded as mutually exclusive. We talk about serving in one camp, leading in another camp, relationships in yet a, a separate camp. They all have their different categories, but they go together. Um, and I'm, I, I really want to just pour in right now on this, but I'm going to wait and let the pot organically flow here. So yeah, no wonder many struggle to define servant-based leadership given serving, leading, and relationships are categorized. And it, that goes within church, it goes within business, it goes within our individual family, friend, day-to-day -day lives. Wherever we find ourselves concerning this, we must be unified at the end of the day in our aim to lean on Jesus. We're not always going to be perfect in leaning on Jesus every moment, but that's our consistent aim should be to lean on Jesus. And by leaning, I mean trusting God and what he has modeled and shared from the very beginning. Sometimes we stop at modeled. I've done that before, but also what is shared because you can model some you, you can model something and be by yourself. You could still have this individual grid, but shared implies there's someone else in the picture, a community, a quantania, if you will. And that's been going on from the very beginning. God has been sharing his love, delight, his compassion, all the way to his heart for community and habitation. goes back to what I said earlier. Before there was a creation, there was a culture of safety enjoyed by a Godhead 
who, by the way, foreknew the cross and ministry of reconciliation to come. Nothing takes him by surprise. He probably could see all the different ways the world would play out after he created it. But somehow I believe in the back of his mind, like we were just speck in his eye. Like he, he knew that there was going to be a point of divine intervention in the form of restoration and reconciliation. So by proxy, we can know the Trinity was identifying with our uniqueness long before it existed. If we believe that God has modeled and shared everything from the very beginning, then we cannot accept the fact that it is a trinity, and they were identifying with each other's uniqueness long before we came into the picture. As the psalmist and prophets declared, we were searched and consecrated before our birth. Psalm 139, Jeremiah 1, and Romans 8 are some examples of verses that talk about this. We weren't just known vaguely from a distance. We were intimately known. We were intimately sewn into. That's why I like to say crafted. And crafted has this root in consecration for me. Hence why we can rest knowing God was engaging in relationship with us before we could possibly reciprocate. Applied to leadership in marketplace and ministry, we could champion these kingdom grids knowing serving is the leading and the way we approach worship and prayer as a lifestyle. In essence, leading by serving is not only the radical middle at work, but also an affirmation of prayer and worship as the core to vocational ministry. It kind of overflows out of lifestyle. If worship and prayer is meant to be a lifestyle, then it makes sense for it to be the center of our ministry, of being the hands and feet of Jesus and proclaiming the good news to our nation, to all nations and our neighbors. And by the way, when I say radical middle, I'm talking about that balanced spirit and truth lifestyle as mentioned in John 4, the woman at the well account, when Jesus is giving her uh, a preview, a taste of what's to come, that third member of the Trinity now in play as part of the equation. So, locked into this belief, we can better discern the difference between our aims and what we experience as overflow. So that's a very important facet, some, a very important part of the backburn to this whole conversation. From behavior to business, when we talk about how to walk and live and abide in the Spirit while we're on the clock, knowing what our aims and what we experience as overflows, very critical we understand that distinction. For example, one of the signs of a healthy church and or working environment is a culture of humility. You could also talk about a culture of blessing. To facilitate a culture of humility, one must first trust God to inspire a culture first before we could sow prophetic encouragement into it. This makes sense given to facilitate at all, there must be people to facilitate too. I know this is very basic, not trying to force a spiritual duh down your throat here, but people, they are important. As the Trinity implies, before anything can be created and developed, there must be time and space granted in the context of rest and relationship. This is why in any setting, church or work, people must come before process and procedures. And I am very big on people, process, and procedures, but there's a natural order to them. So the way I like to think of it, you know, when rest and relationships come together, the word picture that jumps to mind is retreat. If I'm starting a church plant, I, I would be tempted to put hands to the plow, start going, 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 doing, doing, doing. But I know in the back of my mind, who is God wanting me to team with? Because 
like him, I mean, the church plan doesn't happen in a vacuum, doesn't happen by yourself. Who has he appointed in my life for this project, for this assignment? How do I stand shoulder to shoulder, let, let alone being in motion shoulder to shoulder? How do I stand shoulder to shoulder with the, my brother in Christ, with this team member in Christ? And how do we move forward? There has to be a, a time where we still ourselves in Selah, a time that we just, all right, what matters is what the Lord says. Aligning ourselves to his initiatives and his direction, his timing. Because sometimes, you know, maybe we have this project that we, we feel really right about, but we get the, the timing's not off. We assume it's right. We don't wait on the Lord to confirm that it's right. People help us keep accountable in this way. It's one of these points, one of the points I'm going to drive home in a few minutes here. In business, we see this practical information phases. The whole concept that people must come before process procedures. We see this in business through the fact People create the program, not the other way around. I'm thinking about programmers as I say that. Uh, computer scientists, they probably understand this in a whole different light. But in business and marketplace leadership, people create the program, not the other way around. Basic, but very important. If you want to accomplish groundbreaking initiatives, don't just seize the opportunity to serve, but pour into connectedness. Maximize your availability. Don't simply seek to learn, but seek to burn for what motivates your team. This is very important for us to understand. One of the reasons is, I, I think for many of us, serving has become an individual idea, an individual notion. We want to serve on our terms, on our own time. We want to serve within our own resources with what we have. And our hearts are good, but again, because of cultural programming and desensitization, um, serving is oftentimes um, a self-initiated project that may or may not involve other people. But I'm here to say that if serving is deleting, how can we serve without another, without someone to pour into? I guess you can serve the environment, but given that people are part of that environment, really serving doesn't exist without community. Community comes first. And since serving leadership relationships are all tied together, it's important to understand the ministry of availability in light of the ministry of reconciliation. I'm gonna say it again. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are all assigned the same commission to preach with our lives, to walk the talk, <laughs> to say, God is near, God is good, God is for you, God died for you, He loves you. For that to emanate and to radiate off our lives. But how contagious, how more exponential the growth when we are locked arm to arm with our brothers and sisters in Christ those who are like-minded, who are running after God the same way we are. It, you know, it's easy when we talk about it, I think, in church and evangelism, discipleship, stuff like that. But in Marketplace, how do we do that? Because you know, there's no guarantee we're going to gel or have chemistry or cohesion with our team members. And just putting yourself last, just remembering that, you know, I'm here to serve. I'm here to learn. Um, I'm here to pour in. But if all else fails, you know, I can't get caught up in how people are loving me of, of what they're giving to me. It's like I am here at my job. I'm on the clock to do good work. God has guaranteed that. He has seen it from the beginning, the good work that I, I was going to do. And he gave me spiritual giftings in light of that good work. That's, again, why it's not by mistake. Where we are, what we're doing, it may be seasonal. We may feel like it's a mistake. It's not. 
God is in it. He is behind it. And he is before you. you even if you realize it or not, he is blazing a trail before you. And there is a perfect time for you to walk on that trail. But for now, learn the rhythmic, effortless motions of grace. Know how it applies when you love your colleague, your client, your subordinate, your team member, however it looks, when you love without the expectation of something, of it being reciprocated. I mean, that just goes back to the Trinity. Remember how I said that, you know, the Trinity existed in perfect harmony and we were a speck in God's eye. Um, We were known before we could love God back. You know, God is not a God that, you know, or his nature is contingent on it being a two-way street with man. You know, how often, how many men, or men's rather, um, does God love and they don't love him back? I mean, there's so many one-sided relationships and one of our fears and insecurities are, you know, doing good things to people and it being one-sided and that there was not going to be a return somehow. Don't do it that way. Don't perceive that way. Whatever you do, do unto the glory of God, knowing you can cultivate community through prayer and worship, even if you can't always pray and worship together. You can cultivate community by, yes, of course, love in person, serve, be kind, be compassionate, be understanding, ask questions, you know, uh, don't be afraid to initiate and to give people benefit of the doubt, even if they don't deserve it. Be forgiving, be gracious, be be the fruit of the Spirit to your to your team members. But remember, as servant leaders, the greatest impacts start by perceiving each function, each engagement as an expression of praise to God. When you're on the clock, whatever work function you're doing, you're in an Excel spreadsheet, it's worship to God. You're on the phone with a client that may be really upset with you, but even then, it could be worship. And maybe the rest comes later, but you could also kind of taste and see simultaneously. Oftentimes, when you're perceiving a work function as worship, there is rest to be had there. Where it's like, this is not going to make... There's peace in knowing that a difficult moment is not going to make or break your day because it, you know deep down it doesn't define who you are. And culture says every little thing defines who you are. The big and the small. But you, you know that there is a spirit and truth life, that radical middle at work, which in summary is as follows. And we're going to bring this pot in for a landing. Value comes before function. People come before program and safety comes before creation. When we talk about Trinity as structure in the marketplace, this also extends to church life as well. Value comes before function, people before program, safety comes before creation. This is all true because of what's been modeled from the beginning of time for all eternity. Just wanted to offer those concise, bite-sized summary statements what this blog's about. A few words to the wise real quick. Don't ever use programs to manipulate safety or emotional margin for that matter. Don't use your agenda to create this buy-in to maximize the efforts of your team members or you know, if you're a boss, your subordinates. Because truth is, when you look at the Trinity, safety was, has always been there in the context of harmony and selfless love. They didn't have to create safety. Safety was already there. Safety is the overflow. And yes, it's easy to think programs as the aim, but 
unless you're talking about literal safety, unless you're talking about fire codes and making sure you have your evacuations uh, set, um, let the culture of safety be something that God precipitates as an overflow. You focus on how do I serve the body? How do I love in this moment of serving? Um, it may be creating clarity through tightening your procedures, your instructions, you know, giving someone, you know, a team member a task or inviting them into a task or, you know, asking for their guidance, you know, not overstepping or just trying to do things on your own strength, on your own terms, on your own watch, your own dime, whatever. Um, but learning how to abide in Christ by leaning on others and doing that, you're, you're essentially leaning on Christ as well. Uh, you want to focus on how to be the best servant leading team member uh, who has this light in him. You just want to extend that likeness and that light to other people. But it can't happen without fearless expressions of love and seeing all that you do as signs of prayer and worship. And by the way, as you do this, when you encounter difficult moments at your job on the clock, know that there's always that opportunity, that moment that you can grasp, just inviting God's courage and strength into that moment where you are casting your cares upon the Lord, you're casting your fears and anxieties upon the Lord, and in turn that will help feel that praise and worship in the moment, or prayer for that matter. Uh, going back to that idea about uh, that community helps us stay accountable, while dependency keeps us accountable to community, this dependency must always be anchored in Christ alone. Otherwise, whatever expressions of love we convey will be contained or misleading. Also, comparisons based on insecurity can be just as lethal as untimely agenda. So if you ever need a litmus test to gauge the purity of your relational intentions, ask yourself, am I resting in my faith? Am I giving God room to invade? Am I helping others taste and see that God is good? I encourage you to add to that list. There are many other questions you could add. Maybe that could be a personal assignment for you. But I guarantee when you do this, you're, you're calibrating yourself to God's faithfulness operating within you. His power to resonate. His power to save and to, to serve through you, really, as a willing vessel, as an open-hearted servant of the Lord. And as you do that, as you calibrate to God's faithfulness, you can rest assured knowing that any effort rooted in striving will ultimately not succeed. That's God's grace. A classic example of it applied to good work. We should want that to be the case. We shouldn't want striving to be a pattern or a habit in our lives because that will burn us out. And the Lord knows that. Lean on me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Let me be your success. Don't you know? Don't let the world's definition of success be this aim for let you know. I am your aim, says the Lord. <laughs> let me be your aim. And whatever happens, um, let that be an overflow. For instance, you know, um, don't let kindness be an, be an aim and people coming to you and being able to trust you. And maybe they have vulnerable moments they want to share with you. Maybe they have prayer requests and they come to you and it's like, can, hey, Cam, or hey, so-and-so, can you pray with me? If we're showing goodness to people so that they will be drawn to us, we're doing it wrong. God is ultimately the aim. His nature, his character is the aim. We reflect that. We radiate that. We extend that, yes. But we're not doing it so we can have more friends on Facebook or that we could feel edified in the moment that we can feel popular. 
That's why it's important to know AIMS and overflows and distinguish them two. And you can take them captive. If you find that you're mixing the two up, you can take it captive. And the Lord will be faithful to help align. But that's the thing. When you're reverencing God, there's so much that could happen. You can cast your fears on Him. You can cast your anxieties on Him. You can align in the moment. You can receive this, the Holy Spirit's conviction. Um, and then you can correct course and keep going, just knowing like, okay, my aim is back on track here. So... That's that's all. That's all I have for today. But I just wanted to share this nugget. This is a emerging series. Trinity is structure. Maybe next time I'll talk about um, ways that we can uh, corporately improve in the area of, I guess, just how we handle labels and typecasting. I might talk about that in my next go around. Uh, so just be stay tuned for that. But for now, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the weekend. Listen, I'm rooting for you always, and as always, say I'll catch you on the fry. Peace.